And we made it through the first half, which is very theological. And like most of Paul's letters, uh, the first half of his letter gives the basis for his teaching. And then the second half of the letter gives more practical ways to live and encouragement. So that's what we find today, beginning in chapter 5, verse 15, is some real nuggets of teaching that help us in our daily lives. Let's be standing, please, as we hear this, the Word of God. Paul writes, Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, But understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless the reading of his word. All right. That is the Rosetta Stone. Many of you know what that is. The Rosetta Stone was uh, a portion of a stela that was created in the second century B.C., It was rediscovered, I believe, in 1799. It now resides in the British Museum and is thought to be the most valuable artifact housed by the British Museum. Well, why is it that that little piece of rock is so important? Well, even though you can't read it, you can tell there's writing on that rock. And it's divided into three sections because the same inscription is written in three languages. Now, the top language is ancient Egyptian cuneiform, kind of picture-type language. And the interesting thing is that until this stone was found, we could not read the writing of the ancient Egyptians. And the ancient Egyptians were a marvelous people. They built the pyramids, they had all these things, and so much of ancient history was recorded by them, and we couldn't read it because we couldn't understand their language. But the bottom language is Greek, and we got that one. And so therefore, by comparing the same inscription, the same words in ancient Egyptian writing that we couldn't read with the Greek that we could, everything just opened up. And we began to be able to read all these ancient records and to learn about all the great events of ancient history. Now, that's why the Rosetta Stone is so important. Now, most of the time when we think of Rosetta Stone, what do we think of? That. (laughs) Okay, yeah. Uh, And and you can tell uh, where the inspiration came from. See right up here at the top? I can't find my little button there. It's not my laser. There it is. What is that? That's the Rosetta Stone. That's right. Well, that name was taken and applied now to what is to, what is had become one of the most popularly used ways and methods to learn a new language. 
And the Rosetta Stone, from what I understand, I've never really used the Rosetta Stone, this version of it, to learn a language. It really opens things up. It allows you quickly and easily, or well, as easy as learning a new language can be, to learn that new language. Well, I was thinking of that this week as I read this particular passage from Paul, because these few verses... Paul has crammed a lot of understanding in and gives us a key to really becoming the spiritual people we so desire to become. If you want to grow spiritually, if you want to get deeper, if you want to understand spiritual matters in a a deeper and more rich way, then this particular passage from Paul is excellent. It can serve kind of like the Rosetta Stone of leading you in to the depths of spirituality. So we're going to run through this very quickly and see what it is that Paul has to say to us. He begins with a topic sentence whenever he says this, Check the accuracy of your lives. Now the way he put it in the Greek was, Be careful how you walk. But this is a great call and a reminder to us that we as Christians are called to be people who are reflective, people who live examined lives. We don't just live our lives just zipping right on through. We stop and we look and say, wait a minute, who am I and what am I spending this life on? We have a limited amount of time that's given to each one of us. We've just celebrated a couple of members' 90th birthdays, and we realized that in our day and age, that's, that's a marvelous achievement to live to be 90 years old. We might live to be 100 years old. But even if we live that long, we've got a limited amount of time to live. And so therefore, as disciples of Jesus Christ, We are called upon to live that in a reflective manner, in an examined manner, to see what it is that we should be spending this life on. To remember that we were created by a loving God, one who gave us this gift of life and gave it to us with the responsibility to do something worthwhile with it. That it is not just simply to be zipped through and then that's it. But rather that this life is to be used in a way that honors Him. A way that brings Him glory. A way that, that sees the value of this life and that there are things out there that are worthy of spending our lives upon. So Paul, as he begins his instruction, said, stop and think. Stop and look at your life. Ask yourself, is what I'm doing and who I am and who I am becoming, is this truly what God wants of me? Does it fit in with who God made me to be? Is it worthy of the great gift that He has given me to be alive on this earth? So that's the call. And then He gives us some ways to do that. He goes on to say, well, wait a minute here, what's coming up? I don't know why my little thing here is not clicking very well. But one passage back in chapter 2, verse 10, where he reemphasizes this is, For we are what he has made us, 
created in Christ Jesus for good, to do good works, to spend our lives on things that really matter. All right, the first thing then to do this is, he says, don't live as unwise people, but as wise. Now, that sounds like kind of blanket advice, but in Paul's way of thinking, that is very specific encouragement. What does he mean to be wise people? What is wisdom, and do you have it? Well, I want to tell you something. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. You have wisdom, all right? Every one of you has wisdom because wisdom is basically your value system. Wisdom is your filter through which you decide what, well, let me give you a list here. It gives you, it it helps you decide what is important to life, what is useful in your life, what is harmful in life, what is enjoyable in life, and what is boring in life. Isn't it interesting to think that wisdom even tells us that? Wisdom tells us things that are just kind of draggy and boring. and uh, you know. Now, the important thing is, where does your wisdom come from? You have it, so where did you get it? Did you get it just from your parents? Not a terrible source to get wisdom. Did you get it from your friends? That can be kind of iffy, can't it, you know, if that's good or bad. Did you just kind of dream it up yourself? Did you kind of just cobble it together as you've gone along, kind of just flying by the seat of your pants and letting your values be formed and shaped by whatever comes along? Well, the Bible has very specific advice. And when Paul is talking about being wise people, he has a specific wisdom in mind. And there we see, in the psalm that we just read, Psalm 111, at the end of that psalm are these words. For the fear or respect or honor of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The source of our wisdom has to be God. It has to be that we have consciously made up our minds that it is going to be from Him that we receive our values. It is because of who He is and what He is and what He thinks is important and what He thinks is unimportant. What He thinks is useful, what He thinks is not useful. What He thinks is harmful, what He believes and knows is enjoyable. And what God finds boring Those are going to be the things that shape our wisdom. We are going to consciously seek to know those things and to let them be our values as well. It all begins with respecting Him and honoring Him as God. To say, I'm going to listen to what He says. I'm going to trust what He says. And when He says something's important, I'm going to make it important in my life. And when he says something is harmful, I'm going to stay away from it because I realize that it must be harmful or God wouldn't have told me that it is harmful. I'm not going to try to rationalize out with my own wisdom. I'm going to adopt his. And he goes on to say, or if we back up in the passage that we're looking at in chapter 5, verse 10, he says, try to find what is pleasing to God. Now, that's an effort, isn't it? Notice he didn't say just sit back and wait, but try. 
Make it a goal of yours to know what it is that God has said is good. What it is that God has said is helpful. And if we didn't hear it the first time, just a few verses down, he says, Don't be unthinking, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So here's where we're to put our effort into coming to know God and His values and adopting those as our values and using those for our wisdom to make all the daily decisions that we make in life. Well, what is it if we feel like, or what do we do if we feel like that we don't have that wisdom? Where can we get it? Ah, there's a passage for that too. James chapter 1, verse 5. If any of you is lacking in wisdom, if any of you is sort of, you're sort of scratching your head saying, I'm not really sure what God wants of me and who God wants me to be and what he has given me this marvelous gift of life to accomplish on this earth. If you're lacking in that, what should you do? You can read. Ask him. Ask him for it. And he gives to all generously. Now, if you're in the all, then you get it generously, okay? If you're someone that's outside the all, then maybe not. But if you fit within all, it's for you. He gives to all generously and ungrudgingly. And look at the promise that is made. That if you ask for wisdom, if you ask to understand how to to put your life to work in the proper way and to do the right things, if you ask, here is a promise. One thing I like to point out is sometimes I hear people say things about God. Well, God said he would do this. God said he And I think, I don't know where he said that. I don't, we kind of sometimes make up things that God promised, you know. Uh, God did not promise that you uh, can live in a big house and have a nice car and all those things. Those, those are not promises from God. But here is one. Here is one that God said, I will do this. And as we sing and as we read the psalm... God is faithful to his promises. So if you ask for wisdom, if you ask for the values of God to run your life as well, it will be given to you. Now, there is a caveat to that. There is a catch. It doesn't work if one time you just say, oh yeah, God, and I want some wisdom. I'm always reminded of my sons when they were little, and they used to sit and watch children's programs. And the children's programs, for some unaccountable reason, I don't know how this happens, but the commercials that come on during children's programs are for things that children might want. All right? and I know that's just an accident in life, but it happens that way. But I can remember walking by, and, and as they were playing a commercial, one of the kids would say, Dad, I want one of those. To which I would respond, okay. (laughs) With little intent of getting that. Because I didn't get them everything they wanted. Now, there's lots of reasons for that. But let me tell you one reason why I didn't get them everything they asked for. Because many times, ten minutes later, they wouldn't even remember they wanted that. And I would wait until I heard something asked for again. And maybe next week, they said, Dad, I would really like to have one of these. And then maybe even next month, and as Christmas drew near, you know, they could remember from six months ago, this is what I want. 
And then I would get that, if it was something reasonable, I would get that because I knew I was getting something that they would really appreciate. And and I really feel like God is that way with us. Sometimes we ask something very quickly in a prayer, and then we go on about our lives, living our lives, not realizing that we really wanted that. But if you want the wisdom of God, if you want to set your values according to His values, you want to make decisions according to the way He wants you to make decisions, ask Him. Ask Him today, and remember it tomorrow, and remember it the next day. And I believe you'll begin to see God pouring that wisdom into you because he wants to give wisdom to his people if they'll use it, if they really want it, if they will put it to the purposes that he has called them to. So, first thing, if we want to become spiritual people and have our spirituality stretched and deepened, is to remember to desire the wisdom of God and to ask Him for that wisdom so that we may truly know what is important in this life, what is useful in this life, what is harmful, what is enjoyable, and what's just a waste of time. He moves on then. I'm going to skip that one. Second, I love this bit of advice. Paul must have known that Americans would one day read this passage. Because in this passage, he advises us that if we want to become more spiritual people, we become aggressive shoppers. Now, that fits who we are. More and more, we shop for many reasons, even recreationally, don't we? Because that's just kind of what we do. And Paul says, okay, be good shoppers, be aggressive shoppers. Now, anytime I bring this up, I know some of the, especially the men sitting out there going, I don't like to shop. I don't believe you. You do. You may not like to go with your wife to shop for dresses. You, know? you, you may not like to go to the grocery store and shop. But what about for a new car, a new pickup, a new hunting rifle? All right? Then you get all fired up, don't you? We're going to go get this. Well, Paul taps into that. He uses marketplace language when he says that we should that we should redeem or buy up all the opportunities that we can. Seize the time. Now, I know that in the old versions it said redeeming the time, but the word here is kairos, not chronos. It doesn't mean making, taking advantage of the time that just goes by in a day. He says look for those opportunities and buy them. Look for the opportunities in your life in which you really draw close to God. What are those? Part of an examined life is to think back to the times where God was so real to you. You know, all of us as disciples of Jesus have had those moments in our lives where God is alive to us, where God is speaking to us, where we feel so close to him. Paul says, go out and buy some more of that. Make it fit your life that those things happen more often. You know, if it's reading your Bible, if that's whenever you feel so close, well, make sure that there's more of that in your life. If if it's your prayer time, whenever you feel so close to God, buy some more prayer time. 
If it's when you're out working with people that need your help or you're out doing things that that you know are benefiting others, if that's when you feel closest to God, buy some more of it. But look for those opportunities in your life where you can really put to work the, the, the closeness that you have with God. Because, as he says, as it follows up on right after that, he says, you've got to make sure you're buying the right things because the days are evil and there is a lot of junk out there to buy. You can spend your life buying junk that's never going to last. It won't even last your lifetime much less for eternity. What are you spending yourself on? And where can you spend yourself more wisely? Could keep talking, let's go on to the last one here. The last part he says is, and let yourselves be filled with the Spirit. Now, that's always good advice, but it's also a reminder that even though God wants, us to, wants to give us His Spirit, We've got to be gracious receivers of that Spirit. We are given the gift of the Holy Spirit at our baptism. We read that in several scriptures in in the Bible. But what we've got to do is also open ourselves up to the work of the Spirit. Jesus once told his disciples, if you want the Holy Spirit, ask for the Holy Spirit. Now, do I need to go back and give my little lecture about being faithful in your asking again? It's not going to work if you say, oh, yeah, God, and I want some Holy Spirit. <laughs> you know, but on a daily basis, and really at the top of our agenda, Lord, let the Spirit live within me. Let the Spirit, your Spirit, your Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. Now, as he does in so many places, he gives a little warning here when he says, don't get drunk with wine, you know, because that is unsaving or it's a waste. I think the word there, debauchery, uh, doesn't really communicate too well in our day and time, does it? But what he's saying is it's just a waste. There are so many ways to waste your life. One way is chemicals. Whether it be wine or drugs or, or just pastimes, there's so many ways to waste away your life. It says, don't do that. Let the Holy Spirit live within you. And then he goes on to give us evidence of the Spirit. Now, the way that this is translated, sometimes we sort of break all these up. But I'm telling you that these phrases kind of hang on that same thing where he says, let yourself be filled with the Spirit. And how can you begin to tell that the Spirit is working within you? There are many ways, but what Paul says in this particular passage is this. The evidences of the Spirit that you'll begin to see is singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among you. You will love worship. The Holy Spirit loves to praise God. And if the Spirit is alive in you, you're going to seek opportunities to give praise to God. Opportunities like what we're doing today. But then there's other ways, too, that you can lift up the name of God in praise. The second thing he mentions is making melody in your own heart to God. Just when you're all by yourself, that there is a song in your heart. I love the way that Lanny's communion meditation kind of tied right into this. As he began saying that, I thought, wow, we're talking about that, too. That if the Spirit lives inside you, there really is a song in your heart. And that you're constantly lifting your heart up to God. And then finally, the last one is so telling 
that if the Spirit lives within you, you are a person who lives out of thanksgiving, who is always giving thanks to God the Father in all times for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The walk of discipleship and our spiritual lives can be measured by the level of our thanksgiving. Is it truly that we arise every day thankful that we are alive, thankful that we have another day in which we can live this life that God has called us to live, thankful for each and every blessing that comes along, thankful for everything, always in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm out of time, but I think you can see how this passage can just open up. And it can lead us and guide us in the way that we should go so that our lives can bring honor and glory to God. I want to close just with a little story that I I think it's true, but it may be one of those preacher stories that kind of got made up along the way. But it always, whenever I think about it, reminds me. It's a story of a violinist whose name was Fritz Chrysler. And a century ago or so, he was one of the world-renowned violinists. And he went and played a concert. And after the concert, this little lady came up to him just gushing over how wonderful it was. And she said, oh, Dr. Chrysler, I would give my life to be able to play the violin like you do. To which he replied, madam, I did. He didn't become a great violinist by accident. You will not become a spiritual giant by accident. You will not by accident become a person who walks in the way of the Lord. You will become a person who brings honor and glory to God when you truly seek to follow Him, that you seek His wisdom, that you buy the right things, and you open your life to the leading and guiding of His Holy Spirit. May we, as we reach the end of our lives and look back, may we say, yeah, that's right. God has led me. Praise be to him. Let's stand and sing. Oh.